inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today we are going to hear Zig in his sales teacher mode. He reminds us that a no from a prospect isn't the end of the discussion. It is just the beginning. Let's listen to Zig together. My next statement is going to be kind of shocking to you because we call this the new decision close. But listen very carefully because I want you to understand what I mean when I say you're going to be shocked. When a prospect says no, the odds are at least 100 to 1 that you're not going to be able to get them to change their mind. Let me say it again. When the prospect says no, the odds are at least 100 to 1 that you're not going to be able to get them to change their mind. You heard it right. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, now, wait a minute, Ziegler, daggone, you're fast-talking, cotton-picking eye. In my sales career, I've had prospects sell me no, 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 no. And then they end up buying. Oh, I don't doubt that a moment. Others say 90% of my business comes after the prospect says no. I don't doubt that a moment either. I asked the redhead to marry me. She said no. Ask her again. She said no. Ask her the third time no. Fourth time no. Fifth time no. Sixth time she said okay. No, she did not change her mind. What she did was a very simple thing, and you need to understand this. Before you can get a prospect to change their mind, you've got to get them to admit they were wrong. Now, my friend, that's a tough sale to make, to get a prospect to admit they're wrong. You have trouble admitting you're wrong. I have trouble admitting that I am wrong. Then what did the redhead do? Did she change her mind? Never. She made a new decision based on new information. That's exactly what your prospect will do for you. They'll be delighted to make a new decision based on new information. Why didn't you tell me? that you could get me an 11% loan on this home. That makes all the difference in the world. With new information, they're making a new decision. Why didn't you tell me we could get this with four in the floor? That teenager of mine would be really upset if we didn't have that. He's making a new decision based on new information. Why didn't you tell me double indemnity and waiver of premium was available at this amount? Man, that makes all the difference in the world. They're making a new decision based on new information. Why didn't you tell me that this included a training manual with specific instructions so we could teach instead of just talk? That's a new bit of information which enables them to make new decisions. Let me ask you some questions as we go along here. The sales process, incidentally, does demand that you try for the close as soon as you've established value. You don't want to wait until the last minute. You don't want to wait until you give all the information by any stretch of imagination. If you do wait until the last minute, then you can rest assured that some prospects are just going to automatically say no, whatever the first closing attempt is. More importantly, they fear that they will be made to look foolish if they make a fast decision and say yes the first time it is offered. What they really need to find out is as much information so they can make an intelligent decision. Just keep remembering that the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. 
Make the prospect feel secure that a yes decision is a right decision. In short, you make it easier for them to buy. Let me set up this little situation with questions. How many of you would give me $100 for an item that you absolutely knew was worth only $50? Can I see your hands? I don't see a single hand going up. How many of you would give me $100 for an item that you knew was worth only $50 if I used my three best closes? I mean powerhouse closes on you. Still no hands going up. How many of you would give me $100 for an item you knew was worth only $50 if I kind of uh, paraded the sympathy button? I mean, my family is in need. I got a boy that's going to have to drop out of school if I don't make some sales. The answer, I still don't see any hands are going up. Now, what I'm trying to establish is this. When the prospect has said no, what they're really saying is based on the information you've given me so far, your price is up here. Your value is way down here. And I'm not going to give you a big stack of money for a little stack of benefit. That's what they're saying. And so when the prospect says no and you say, oh, you know you want it, go ahead and sign here. Or oh, you're going to get it sooner or later, go ahead and sign here. You are not selling, you are irritating. You're coming across as a high-pressure salesperson. When a prospect says no, they're basing it on what they know at that point. And if they do not know enough to say yes, if you try to pressure them into buying them, all you're going to do is irritate them. So in the closing process, remember it must be educational. Since they've said no based on what they know, if you'll let them know more, then the chances are good that you can change the value and get the sale. Every closing effort should be educational in the process. And your integrity here is again at stake. You want to keep it exactly in the truthful lane. Don't oversell. When you oversell, you get, a, you get in trouble. I'm reminded so much of the story of the Roman Catholic girl dating a Southern Baptist boy. And after about the fifth date, that gal came in one night and she was motivated. I mean, she was excited. She had those stars in her eyes. She was just skipping up the front steps. And mama knew daughter was in trouble. She said, daughter, we're going to have to terminate this relationship. You know, us Catholics don't marry those Baptists. Those Baptists don't marry us Catholics. And the girl said, mom, said, I've fallen in love with the boy. Can't we do something? And like all mothers since the beginning of time, she responded to a daughter's need. And she said, yes, daughter, I believe there is. Maybe we can sell this boy on taking instruction. Maybe we'll make him a good Catholic. And when he gets to be a good Catholic, then rather obviously uh, the marriage will be absolutely fine. So they went to work to sell him. Well, it was an easy sale because he was already sold on the product. I mean, it moved smoothly. He started taking instructions. The wedding day was set. The announcements were sent out. The, the gifts started coming in. Everything was all go. Three days before the wedding, the girl came in shedding those big old crocodile tears. She said, Mom, it's all off. Send back the gifts. Call the priest. Cancel the church. Tell everybody it's no go. Mother said, Well, daughter, I'm puzzled. I don't understand. What happened? I thought we had him sold on being a good Catholic. girl said, Mom, that's the problem. said, We have oversold. He's going to be a priest. <laughs> Many times you oversell by omission. About 10 years ago, I realized the completion of a dream. I had built a little office I described earlier in my house, but then I decided to really build a beautiful office in my home. 
with all of the good stuff, the thick carpeting, you know, and the beautiful paneling and the leather sofas and all that kind of good stuff. And so I got the office completed and then we had everything there except the leather sofa and the coffee table to go with it. When I was a boy in Yazoo City, Mississippi, I used to go down to Dr. C.L. Wallace's dental office. And Dr. Wallace had an old leather sofa there, and there's something about leather, you know, the longer it's around, the prettier it gets, and there's something about the way leather squishes that's different from anything else on this earth. I love to squeeze it and hear it squish. Well, I wanted me a genuine leather sofa to go in that office. Everything else, a beautiful fireplace, the whole bit was there, you know. I really was excited. We went into this furniture store, a great big one there in Dallas. I told the salesman what I wanted. I wanted this nice leather sofa. He says, they're right over here. And we walked over and I looked at it and uh, I sat down in it, you know, and it was beautiful. I said, how much is it? And he told me, I about had a heart attack. Man, I said, that's fantastic. I would have expected a leather sofa to cost twice that much. This is beautiful. He said, well, we sure sell a lot of them. I said, well, I can understand why. Man, I like it. And I got up and I walked around, you know, and I slapped it a couple of times. You've got to be careful, you know, when you're, when, when you're shopping for something like that. And I sat down and I, lay, I even laid down on the end, visualizing, you know, maybe I might even take a little snooze in it uh, on occasion. And I walked around it again. I sat back down. I laid back. The whole process took less than three minutes. I said, man, I can't believe you can buy a leather sofa at this price. He said, well, it is a real buy. I said, I'll take it. And then we got up and I said, now I need a coffee table to go in front of it. And we, he said, well, they're over here. And we started walking towards the coffee tables. And as we did, we walked past another sofa, almost identical in appearance to this one. I was just casually, I said, how much is that one? And he told me, and I almost had a heart attack. It was twice as much as the other one. I walked over to it. I said, huh? I said, how come this one is twice as much? It doesn't look about the same to me. He said, well, now this one is all leather. I said, now slow that down and run it by me one more time. He said, this one is all leather. I said, friend, what is that one which I just told you I wanted? He said, well, now, it's all leather wherever you touch it. He said, the top of the cushions are leather, the back is leather, the top of the armrest is leather, but underneath is naugahyde. The whole back is naugahyde. I said, friend, why in the world did you not tell me that before? He said, well, I was going to. But he said, you know, we got busy talking about other things and I just didn't get back to it. But I was going to tell you, he said, man, I am not that kind of a salesman. No, sirree, I would never mislead anybody. You tell me, which one did I buy? Neither one, absolutely. You see, he knew and he knew that he knew. There was no question in his mind. He had led me to believe that the sofa was completely leather all over. Now, that was over 10 years ago. I have not ever been back in that store since then. Now, you might reasonably ask, well, Ziegler, would you have bought had you known in the beginning that it was not leather and then you priced the other one it was twice that much? I don't know whether I would have bought it. Now, I would at least have considered it very seriously. I would have shopped probably more because the price was really high. But I had all of my life had wanted that really nice office in my home. Everything was complete except the leather sofa. Would I have compromised on the final step? 
no way. What I'm saying is don't oversell by uh, omission. Has something similar ever happened to you? A salesman led you on to believe something that wasn't quite true? Well, did you respond like Zig and never do business there? This is a great lesson in the power of integrity and honesty and how important they are to your sales career. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. And don't forget to get your copy of Zig's new book, Born to Win, to help you to plan, prepare, and expect to win in your life. Go to Ziggler.com to purchase your book. Ziggler. 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 Inspiring true performance.